What's up, everybody? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Santa Monica, California, letting you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And one really big positive of this whole quarantine crazy time is that people are using online video to connect with people more than ever before. With that said, I've been seeing a lot of families having these Zoom parties where everybody in the family will all hop on Zoom, and that actually didn't happen nearly as much before this thing happened. So I highly recommend have a Zoom party with your family. Have a Zoom party with your friends. If it's someone's birthday, hop on Zoom. It's just a good time to keep things going. And if you want to have a Zoom party with your dog, I highly recommend it. But one of the big problems right now that the people are facing is unemployment is skyrocketing at such a high level and hiring is, you know, at a standstill. It's very tough to get a job. If you're looking for a job, people just aren't hiring like they used to. But it is possible, which is why I really am excited to have our guest on today to teach everybody about how they can build and market themselves in a way where they can find a job no matter what type of climate they are in. That is why I am so excited to bring on Carolyn Betts Fleming on the podcast. Carolyn founded Betts Recruiting, which is the go-to agency for companies looking to find sales, marketing, and client services talent in the U.S. They have helped venture-backed companies scale their sales teams and have partnered with early-stage companies to find their first crucial sales hires. Connecting top companies with top talent has always been Carolyn's mission since founding the company in 2009, and they have quickly grown to over 100 employees in five locations throughout the U.S. What I absolutely love about Carolyn is just her entrepreneurial spirit and the fact that she bootstrapped the business from day one. She was working on a main hustle. She saw an opportunity to go off and build a business, you know, go solo, and a lot of people try to build the recruiting type of businesses, but very, very few ever reach even a little bit of the success that Carolyn has had with Betts Recruiting. So I'm really fired up for her to teach you exactly what it was like in those early days bootstrapping a business with just $10,000 in her bank account. In this episode, we discuss how to get hired when the world isn't hiring, lessons learned when bootstrapping a startup, how to scale your company with limited resources, and various strategies to make yourself stand out amongst the crowd. As always, you can watch Watch this podcast with Carolyn and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 88 with Carolyn Betts Fleming. Let's jump into it. We're live, Carolyn from Bets Recruiting, the OG Bets herself, the, the person who started it all. She's on the podcast during the quarantine. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, you know, hanging in there, social distancing is definitely the hardest part uh, about this for me. Uh, how about you? How are you doing? For me, it's not been bad. I, I'm kind of used to the online life world. I, not having the gym sucks, but, you know, we've been getting getting used to it. I'm, I'm all about the cook life. So I'll, I enjoy cooking, but it is tough not, you know, having the, the people around you. Yeah, for sure. And you're all about going out to dinners and meeting people. You seem to be a very social person. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My husband today asked me what I, what do I normally eat for lunch? And I was like, well, back when we used to be able to have lunch with people in person, I pretty much <laughs> went to lunch with somebody every day. Uh, and I listed my restaurants here in San Francisco that I would normally go to and um, yeah. And then if not, then I would get, you know, salad or sashimi for takeout, but it's quite the adjustment. A hundred percent. But you know, we, like we talked about yesterday on our call, 
every adjustment is going to have some ups and downs, but there's going to be a lot of ups that come out of this experience. And uh, I think that businesses are going to get much more optimized to be able to work online and be able to operate, not needing to be in any retail location. What do you think this is going to do to affect the overall economy? Well, I think U2 is going to be rough for everybody. And um, I think we're all hopeful that with the measures that have been taking with everyone social distancing and, and remaining at home, it will slow the spread. And, and Q3, people, because they paused for, you know, I think the majority of Q1 and uh, have really been trying to figure out the new normal, I, I think it's going to bounce back pretty quickly so at least that's what i'm hoping for so, uh, that's <laughs> i think we're all hoping for that but I, I really think that um especially for what we do in recruitment you know a lot of our searches have gone on hold recently and i think we're still operating at about 30 to 40 percent of the open positions that we normally have during during a given period and so i imagine those companies that originally had the these hires in their budget and needed to make this happen uh, will as soon as it goes back to working in the office and reevaluating their business will bring back a lot of those hires absolutely and, and one thing that i really enjoy about you and your philosophy is you're really good at you know identifying opportunities even amidst the chaos and we talked about this before, but the recruiting world is something that everyone needs. A good recruiter is absolutely crucial to basically be feeding a company good people, top talent, and being able to assure that they're making the smartest decision with their time, which is the biggest resources people are using when training and doing all this stuff. You've built an incredible recruiting company. I mean, everywhere I look, your branding's great. The people that work for you, great. And it all starts with you. You know, you decide to create this idea and you're working with career builder at the time. And, you know, just like a lot of people in the nine to five life, they're doing their thing and something sparks in you. And you're like, you know what? I can do this too. And you went on to build an amazing organization, but there's a lot of people that attempt to build these types of organizations and like a, a pinfall, make it to where you've made it. So number one, do you ever just stop and, and think, wow, we've come so far? Absolutely. Yeah, I actually think about that a lot, um, um, where we came from and where we are now and, and what it took to get there, right? <laughs> so if I ever have a bad day, it's like, you know, we are doing some really amazing things. We have, you know, I, I think that a lot of times when you're at the top, the, the what gets bubbled, you know, a lot of things will get bubbled up and it seems... <laughs> And not always all the wins, right? We get just the closing reports are the norm. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, the client's not happy or whatever. And I'm, I have a hard time with that. So I, I do think about how fortunate we are to have built the business that we have and have the team in place that really are the people that do all the hard work. They find the great talent. They, you know, you, you talked yesterday about Matt Anders and your experience with him. And that brings me so much joy to hear these anecdotes about, um, about my team members and how they you know, get on the phone with someone or Zoom or meet in person and find out what it is that they want to do next in their career and are able to present opportunities to take, to help them get where they want to go. And it's just an incredibly rewarding 
career. And yeah, I feel very fortunate for the team that we've built. Amazing. Let's back it up a little bit and let's kind of hear about these the intro days before, you know, it's gotten to where it's at with over a hundred employees at your peak. Obviously you've had to figure some stuff out in the meantime, but I mean, it's a big, big organization. I think you said five offices across the country, um, across the globe. Uh, where did it all start? Where, like, can you tell us about working at Career Builder and, and kind of what led your, your mentality to make the jump? And I mean, you bootstrapped this thing, which is even more crazy. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. Sometimes I think about, you know, anyway, I, I love what we've built, and, uh, but it's, it's definitely been fun bootstrapping and figuring. I think that with limited resources, you make much better decisions business-wise than when you have um, much larger ones. So that's a philosophy that I really live by. And, uh, but yeah, so I, before, fast forward, before uh, Career Builder, I worked at Andiamo Group. It was a boutique here in San Francisco. It still is. And I was a recruiter there for four years and I loved it. I absolutely love recruiting. I love the job. I love the people I work with. And um, at one point uh, in 08, I left and I went to careerbuilder.com. I had an opportunity to go from being a recruiter and to enterprise sales. So it was quite a large jump and, you know, selling into large fortune, 1000 companies. And uh, I, I, it was funny. I remember one day I walked into my boss's office and I asked him a few months in, what's procurement? <laughs> and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I had never known that that function even existed in a company. And I learned so much from all the people at CareerBuilder and their headquartered in Chicago and I was in the Bay Area. But still now, whenever I go back to Chicago to visit our team there in our office, I'll meet up with some CareerBuilder people for lunch or drinks or whatever. But Anyway, CareerBuilder had an awesome platform, technology, and uh, however, I, I felt that a lot of what really makes recruiters valuable is the human side and getting to know people, getting to know people, you know, both the hiring people and the companies and their businesses in and out, and then also the talent side and making those ma matches that are more, you know, custom as opposed to, you know, tons and tons of people on a platform without a lot of information and random job postings. I would have clients that would post a job and they'd get like thousands of applicants for one job. And then, you know, you have to spend all the time filtering through, which just is incredibly time consuming. And it's not, you know, as you mentioned, time is your most important asset. And to, in order to go through that, and then also the experience on the candidate side just is rough. How many jobs you have to apply for before you even get an interview and we can do top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. So that was when, uh, you know, I talked to my parents and, um, I considered going and working at the family business and they encouraged me to start my own company. And so, yeah, day one, it was me in my one bedroom apartment and just hitting the phone, you know, doing the same sales process that any sales rep would do, finding companies that were interested, that were hiring, that wanted to partner with me and give me a chance since, you know, nobody knew me and, uh, and it worked and you know what that was relatively easy and then just making sure that when I did find those initial clients that we that we proved ourselves and that they saw the value in the service we were providing that's so great and it's interesting that you're talking about those early days how your parents pushed you to start a business 
Do you feel like that support was really what you needed at the time? Or do you feel like you completely believed in yourself? Or do you feel like that just kind of helped push you in the right direction? Yeah, I definitely, I've always really believed in myself and I've been an incredibly hard worker and I've always made things happen for myself. So I think it was just that leap of faith of, hey, yeah, the, the additional encouragement uh, to, to do it. And and I'm glad they did. I, I think I mentioned this to you. I had like $10,000 in the bank. It wasn't, I, I was not going to last very long financially if this company didn't work out. So <laughs> I, I had to make it happen. My parents were not about to, I would never have accepted money from them and they were not about to give it to me in <laughs> order to make it happen. So, uh, but yeah, you know, in this type of, of business, you can, you know, if you work, it's all about really working hard and, and building genuine relationships, which has always been something that I've loved to do. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating that you're going into this bootstrap position, how the second you kind of get some, you know, you start making some sales, you start getting some money in the bank, you're then reinvesting it and you're scaling. And to make that mental decision, like, wow, right now I am making a sizable amount of income. And you're like, you know what? No, we're going to keep scaling, keep reinvesting, keep reinvesting. And you've continued to do this to the point where you're able to uh, provide these amazing systems that cost, you know, millions of dollars that one day you could only dream about. What kind of goes to your thought process when, you know, going through that whole idea of constantly reinvesting and constantly building up? I think it's just one of our values at BETS and, and my personal values is expect excellence. And so a lot of the investment came from the desire to be a better and better and better company. And those things cost money, right? Uh, so hiring costs money, having a better office cost money. And then, you know, the world. So, you know, it was interesting. I came from a technology company and I started a services company and I realized a few years ago that really the best way to be the best recruitment type of business that you can be is that uh, intersection of technology and people. And so we've really coined this term people tech and where it's a, you know, it's, we have our people and we're working with people, but the technology platform is also very powerful to make things more efficient and to really showcase the talent that we're working with in a way that takes all of what they've done and puts it in a very flattering, um, tight, cohesive way, uh, as opposed to a lot of hyperbole with like, I'm, this guy's awesome. And you know, some things, some recruiters speak that comes out that uh, is not <laughs> as, as data driven as what we've done with Bets Connect. So that is really cool because you're right. People want to build it up. They want to sell the person. They, they want the person to be the dream person, but the truth is they might just want it because they want it, not because it's the right fit. And that must be quite the skill set to be able to identify even people that work for your company that are able to not just think everything's a shiny object and really dive deep so that when they do present a candidate, they know that they can put their full belief behind that person. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So one thing that's happening right now is people are getting laid off and the world's having a meltdown and we're, we're, right, we're, we're right on the cusp of the zombie apocalypse. And uh, a lot of people are in a tough position. Some people got laid off. Some people are realizing that their financials are in a rough situation. They need to figure out something quickly. And obviously, you know, we can always take measures to better put ourselves in positions where 
you know, number one, we are easily um, able to find new opportunities, new jobs, just basically creating a lifestyle that puts us in a position to always be able to provide for our family and for our friends, et cetera. What advice would you recommend to somebody that they could be implementing in their life things that you like to find in candidates? Cause I mean, you're the hardest worker at your company. You've been in the trenches the longest. What things do you like to see in a candidate that almost makes them recession proof that can still get them to be hired for those, the few jobs that exist inside of a recession? Yeah. So we have a formula here internally at Bets where we look for three things. It's grit, coachability, and intelligence. And you know, with those three things, and we have a bunch of questions and don't ask me what they are because I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but to vet all of these characteristics or to vet these three characteristics. And this is really for our RC team, which is our bench, very similar to an SDR team in a traditional SaaS company. Um, and it, it's on the, the candidate side. So they source talent, they go through the inbound, they're the initial front lines uh, of vets. And so we find that if they have that grit, that passion, that drive, that, you know, they're willing to break down barriers and overcome adversity, right? Like this right now in this environment, grittiness, I think is really the most important characteristic that's going to keep, you know, separate those that make it through and uh, that are still standing versus those that, that aren't. And so um, and then obviously coachability, especially at that more junior level, is important, right? And, and that desire uh, for, so another value within our company is continuous improvement, right? And so people that, you know, when they're being coached and they have the opportunity to grow, uh, embrace that and like it and they want to learn and they want to grow. Um, so, so I think that between, and, and passion, what, what another one of our values, and not just make this about our values, but is love what you do. And so the people that come to work every day and truly enjoy the work that they're doing are also going to continue to push, even though it's tougher than it was two weeks ago. And it's just crazy to look at how much the world has changed, and you know, especially here in the U.S. over the last two weeks. And uh, you know, it, a lot of our team members have never been through a down. The majority have never been through a downturn or a recession, and it's all been, you know, up and up and to the right. And so those that really embody those characteristics of you know the grit, the excellence, the passion, loving what they do, and wanting to really grow. I and mean, this is what a I can't think of a better opportunity to grow professionally than, than working in this current environment. Yeah. No, that, that, <laughs> right? A hundred percent. And I, like, for example, getting yourself to separate yourself from one another is a tough thing. So a lot of people, when they go look for a job, they submit their resume through career builder, monster, through one of these automated forms their resume goes into a stack of online resumes that the person hopefully is going to see. But I feel like that's not the play. I feel like a lot of the times you got to separate yourself somehow. Maybe it's reaching out on LinkedIn, showing, taking the initiative to show that you really want it. What are some tips that you could recommend for somebody to separate themselves in terms of getting in front of the right person that has the power to accept their job application? Well, 
obviously I'm biased, but working with a recruiter, you know, we have the relationships. They've hired us to vet people and present only the best ones. And so they know, our clients know that we go through, and, and it's very much a sniper approach where we're looking for specific characteristics for specific clients and making introductions that are, um, that are in line with what our client is looking for, just like a regular dating matchmaking service, right? Um, and so outside of working with a recruiter, if you just wanted to go at it on your own, I think that doing your research is really, and, and doing your research is very important no matter what, right? So, you know, if Betts introduces you or you apply directly to a company, I do not recommend applying directly to any company ever. So what I, because you do, you go into a black hole. And so if you're not going to uh, work through a recruiter, I would recommend finding people, doing your research of which companies are the most exciting to you based on what you're looking for next and finding people that work there or that know people that work there and making that person to person connection as opposed to applying online. So, I mean, that's my biggest thing is you need an advocate and a champion and somebody that understands what that company is looking for, why you could likely be a fit to get you the top of the line. Because right now the line is long for a lot of these companies and you, you, you want to get the fast pass, like Disneyland, whatever it is, to the front of the line. Uh, and, and you don't want to be, you know, waiting for hours, you know, in the sun while everyone else gets to go on the ride. I love that reference. That's amazing. <laughs> I just came up with it. I've never used it before, but I, you know, I, it's going to get on the list of things that I say. <laughs> <laughs> you got to coin it now. Right. So what is like on the journey of coming, there's two things I want to get at. Number one, first off, how are you finding, because, you know, being the CEO, being the founder, you're the number one salesperson, right? You're you're out there in the trenches. You're trying to find great companies that want to bring on bets to uh, become their provider for technologies. Uh, it's two kind of part question. Number one, what are you doing to separate yourself from other recruiting companies to land these amazing companies that you do? And second, what do they look for typically that you guys tend to be? <laughs> okay. So two questions. So what do we do to stand out? Yeah. What was the second one? And what do you do to get like land sharks, land these big companies that are just absolute powerhouses that want to choose you. Right. So as we all know, recruitment is a relatively noisy industry. And, you know, if, to my story, the barrier to entry is very low. And so how do we differentiate ourselves? And actually, I want to get back to the comment you made about me being the like chief salesperson. And uh, it, it's really funny because I think it's like a for better or worse idea where yeah, I just can't help myself. I, I, I have a tendency to, you know, see something and, and build these relationships and, and understand what would be a great opportunity for our company. But at our size, I really try and remove myself from the front lines and you know, do more things like this and branding opportunities and allow my team to really bring business in the door. Um, so I just wanted to, to say that because I think sometimes as a salesperson turned CEO, you can get in your own way if you don't get out of other people's way and uh, but how do we differentiate ourselves in the market uh, it's 
very much the the service that we provide and really understanding the companies and, and any company can say this right uh, but it, i think that what it comes down to for us is is that is investing the time in our clients to, to truly understand what the difference between X and Y company is and who to introduce to who and why and why is that company a good fit for this person because you know there's resume feeders out there, there there's all kinds of recruiters that you know post jobs online sift through the applicants and maybe don't even and just you know I've, I've seen these things online of like you know start your own recruiting company and all you know it's so easy to make you know six figures and <laughs> and, it's, and I Maybe, I don't know, I never really thought about it that way. However, you know, what is your differentiation? And in recruitment and in any people industry, it really comes down to providing, doing what you say you're gonna do, your say-do ratio, and it being as close to 100% as possible. And, and really truly understanding and caring. And even if it means not closing the deal. Right. And, you know, I call you about an opportunity and then, okay, hey, and what are you looking for? Well, I want this, this, and this. Okay. Interesting. The company I thought I was going to tell you about is not that. It's this and this. So I don't think it's the right fit. However, now that I know what you're looking for, I'll call you. And just being really open with people about having their best interests at heart and the company and the, the talent that's out there. Uh, so I think that that's how we really differentiate ourselves in the, and it, I, I wish I had a more, more tangible thing, but it really comes down to values and how you train your team and how, um, you know, the sale does not come first, the relationship comes first and having that be, you know, at the forefront of your culture. Amazing. I can imagine you and your team would probably be amazing at real estate because it's almost like you're looking for these buyers and you're connecting them with these homes, you know? I guess so. I guess so. But you know, it, with the home, the, I, what I think is the most interesting about recruiting is you have people on both sides. You know, and so the matchmaking of the personalities and the nuances that it has, where your product is people and your clients are people, um, has an interesting which is very different. There's nothing other than dating. There's no nothing else that really is you know, both ends, people, people. <laughs> so you, you said, I think you said it without your say to do ratio. Is that what you said? Yeah, say do. I love that. So that's basically <laughs> saying what you say you're going to do and actually do how much times that actually comes true. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know anyone, I mean, myself included, obviously that has a hundred percent, right. Where it's, you know, one-to-one, -one. Uh, but as close to that as possible is where you want to be, I think, in life and in business. So I say, I'm going to call you, I call you. I, you know, I, you, yeah, you follow through on what you say you're going to do, and that's how you build credibility in the world. I'm going to use that. I appreciate that. That's a gem. Your say-to-do ratio. Amazing. I appreciate that. So in the journey, in the, 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 the come up and the building process, I'm sure you have a ton of stressful days. I'm sure that there's times where, you know, work gets overwhelming. It can for anybody who's just works any job. And especially during the coronavirus times, you know, mental health's a big deal. 
what are some of the things that you do that like off the field that say when you're really overwhelmed with work and you just really want to detox, like what have you found works best for you? Maybe it could be meditation or, or any type of stuff that you're doing on the side to maintain your, your mental health and composure to be able to show up every day. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a very avid exerciser and somebody that, so in the morning I used to do soul cycle every morning but now uh so I would mix it up but soul cycle was my favorite go-to now I use my peloton and but you know it's interesting because I we have the New York office and so starting at you know really 6 a.m or even earlier my time, I can dive right into work. And so I really have to be disciplined to make sure that I, that I make that happen. And sometimes if I know I'm going to have a difficult conversation and it's, uh, I just don't do it until I have a chance to work out because I have come at everything a lot calmer and as a better leader when I can relieve my stress, um, through working out, taking, you know, the endorphins, sweating. And, uh, and then since coronavirus, I've been, you know, like meetings like this via zoom are great and you get to be face to face. However, it forces you to be at your computer. And so I've also been mixing in a lot of phone calls. And if I don't have scheduled meetings and I want to reach out to people, instead of just you know zooming or texting or being on Slack, I get outside, I put on my headphones, I grab my phone, and I just walk and you know just get fresh air because you know it's very stifling to be inside. And and so I just you know so start the day with a workout, generally Peloton, and then get outside and walk as much as possible. And then in the evenings where I used to go out with friends for dinner and stuff like that, to drink, I've been having happy hour over Zoom with, with <laughs> family. I have a 7 p.m. family with my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, everyone's kids and not my, I don't have kids, but so that's happening tonight at seven. So really trying to keep my social life active. And I've seen so many people doing this. So it's not like a super innovative idea, but uh, even my mom is like loving Zoom now, which is really fun to see. It's so interesting because it's bring in a weird way, it's bringing everyone together because a lot of times you probably would never do that. No. <laughs> yeah. No, it was like, oh yeah, like it's Father's Day coming up or Mother's Day or whatever the holiday was. And we would always get together for that. But, you know, not very often during the middle of the week at 7 p.m. getting the whole family on a, on the Zoom. That's why I think that this whole thing is, is so good in a, in a terrible way, because obviously we don't know how bad it's going to get. But there's just so much good that can come out of it. And that is coming out of it. And I, I guess you got to be a half glass uh, cup, half full for type of person in that sense. But you know, get, get on your treadmill desk, get the exercise, get the endorphins. Don't feel like you're stuck in a cave. And that's, you know, even, even this zoom call right now, right? You got to sit down, you're not moving. It's a little bit like an hour long. It can be wearing on your body, but I like what you're saying. Get up, move, walk around and just like move around. Absolutely. So in the come up, in the journey, was there any times like say that you're, you know, you've reached, a, a, you've opened up an office, you're trying to open up a second or third office. Did you ever hit like a really big low? Like not just when you started the company, but kind of a point where you're like, oh damn, this is sink or swim. 
You know, I, I think that there's always the recency effect that gets in the way of like, <laughs> like, like I've, I've run multiple marathons and, you know, I'm, every time I'm like doing the, another one, it's like, I should have, and I think people say the same thing about childbirth, right? Where, um, you know, if, if you remembered how bad it was, you might not do it again. But um, so I, I think for us, the hardest decisions that we've had to make are walking away from investments uh, that we made that were sizable. So, and, and for me, I, I don't see, so I'll give you an example. So um, we, we were in San Francisco, we launched New York probably six years ago, maybe longer. And we were hearing from all of our customers that they wanted help in Europe. So we went over and we were deciding Dublin or London, Dublin or London, and we went with Dublin. And we got there and probably a year plus into it, we realized that we should have done London. And I apologize to all you lovely Irish people out there. I don't know if you're from Irish descent, uh, but it, it's such a lovely country. It just, there was so much more business for what we were doing in London. And we, and we realized we could still service our, the companies that were, building in Ireland from London. So we went to London and, you know, we invested, we built, you know, you have to open a whole new company. It's very expensive, all these visas, et cetera. And uh, so we then did that in London and we were operating there for quite some time and, you know, it wasn't profitable. And as a, you know, self-funded bootstrap company, we really had to make wise financial decisions. I was flying over there a lot. My time is also valuable to your point. And so a couple of years into it, we made the decision to put it on pause, that it wasn't the right time. And that, because, you know, you, you have to look at the opportunity, like what you had invested. And it's hard to be like, oh, but we've invested so much in this so far. But I really had to look at the opportunity cost of what it would take to get it to where we needed it to be, which was the big thing that we should have done sooner was hire a local leader. And we did not do that. We sent our team over. They didn't understand the market. They hadn't um, done a lot of things that, and they were fabulous people and really hardworking and, and they were frustrated too. And so um, anyway, so what we decided to do was pull it back. We still have our UK entity open. We could start up you know, tomorrow there if we wanted to. So, and, and just because it was not then doesn't mean not ever. And it just wasn't the right time. And we were able to take those resources and expand to other markets in the US. So then we expanded to, we'd also expanded to Austin at that time, the Southeast, but we were able to open LA and Chicago, which have proven to be a lot bigger and more successful markets for us. And so I, I think if we did anything again, expanding it would be go back to London. However, we had to make that tough decision to pull back even after everything that we did to grow over there in Europe. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for breaking that down. I mean, you're in a critical position. You have a finite amount of resources and you got to spend them wisely. And on those little decisions can just cause such a heartache to not just your bank but to your brain you know just trying to try to make moves and expand so bravo for making the decision but now you've been through the experience so you know what to do now 
Absolutely. And then in other hard things, I think the other big thing is it's people problems, right? So our, it's like what makes our stuff company. And I think most leaders that I talk to and interact with that, you know, bringing executives in from the outside and, you know, half of them are amazing and really help you take the company to the next level. And, and some people just aren't the right fit and really understanding that that is a normal, um, thing that happens in all companies and it doesn't make you know anyone bad but making those calls relatively early i think are really important to running a successful culture as well right yeah not letting friendships and personal relationships get in the way of you know the reality exactly or because i think as a leader when you're like this person's going to be so fabulous and they come into the organization and they just it's just not the right fit it, it maybe you know and not to blame on any person uh but and it's happened to me you know um, more than once and so being able to understand that just because you thought somebody was going to be amazing if they aren't you just don't have to keep it going because of a political statement that you made bringing the person into the company in the first place. Right. And that's how you say it's almost similar to dating. It's like you could have the wrong spouse, the wrong partner, and you could go throw a ring on it and then just be sad for 10 years. Or you can identify earlier and figure that stuff out and not be another statistic. Exactly. Exactly. Now, so with this, speaking of that statistic, do you think the divorce rate's going to go up with this Corona thing or, or, or do you think couples are going to be closer than ever? I don't know. That's such a great question. I, I feel like I'm not at, I'm first of all, I'm not qualified to answer that. You know, I'm a 27 year old male that hasn't been in a relationship for a few years, but if I had to say it, I mean, I, maybe it would go, I would think it would increase the divorce rate uh, because you're stuck with one person and you're stuck with somebody that you might not want to be stuck with. And that sounds like a nightmare, right? I think a lot of times people can escape, right? They have that escapitis where they can live a life outside of their home life, where they can go to their restaurant, go to the bar, go to their friends, go to cardio, go to yoga. They don't have any of those escapes right now. They got to face the reality of what their home life is. Maybe if they don't have the right relationship with their kids, maybe they have to realize, wow, I don't have that relationship. I have to spend this time to rebuild. But at the other side, there might be some positives. It might be like, wow, like, now that I've been forced to stay with you for a few weeks, you're really not that bad. I appreciate you. You know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see though. It will be. It will be. How do you foresee the recruiting industry uh, being in the next decade? Like if you had to foresee, do you think uh, it's going to be growing? Do you think it's going to change? How do you experience that? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's, a pendulum that swings in, you know, I, I think technology is going to be, I think if you're not innovating with technology and having that be part of what you do and how you run your company, you're going to get left behind. And most, you know, I, I think that technology is going to continue to innovate. I think that there's, you know, as certain technologies enter the recruitment sphere, everyone always is like, this is, you know, they, people are talking about AI and machine learning and, um, you know, LinkedIn was going to wipe out all, uh, you know, recruiting services. And, you know, it hasn't happened yet. And, uh, however, I think that increasingly, and I think for forever in time, that technology and and like i said the, you know the people tech the marrying of people and technology is going to continue to be 
more and more and more important as uh, time goes on and as this industry evolves. And uh, so that's what I think. And it already has happened. And I, it'll be interesting to see technologies that help automate some of these processes. However, I think that it is very much a, you know, how deep can you go with that before it takes away the value that you're really adding and, you know, just get super creepy. So, you know, I guess, I don't know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I think technology is going to continue to take a bigger and bigger role. Um, but then as that happens, then the people, the pendulum generally swings back to it being more people driven. And I think we'll continue to see that go back and forth. I use the analogy with office space. And so remember, I don't think you do because you probably didn't work back then, but it used to be like everyone wanted their own office and, you know, in this, like, and everyone had their own office and there wasn't a lot of common space. And it was kind of the bottom of the totem pole. And then everyone knocked down all the walls and everyone was in the same room. And then people were like, we need more space to like think quietly and get stuff done. And now we're in more of a happy medium type situation. And I see that happening with recruitment as well. Do you think that, a lot of jobs are going to become obsolete because of the advancement of technology and just the intelligence of computers? Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting to think about which jobs those are, right? And so, yeah, I think that technology will allow us to build a lot of efficiencies. However, you know, like at the airport where you go and you sit down at you know, a restaurant or bar and like, there's no person that takes your order and you put it into the computer. And I mean, that eliminated a ton of jobs, but like, I don't know about you. I don't really, I, I think us extroverts out there that want to know what's good and all that and meet someone and see where they're from and uh, whatever it is. I, you know, I, I think it's taken away a lot of of the experience there. So, you know, I, I think technology will for sure start to take away more jobs. However, you know, at what cost uh, does that bring in? And certain companies don't care. It's all about a cost basis um, and decreasing. And, you know, and I think it's really tough too because in the cost of living has increased and there's a lot of labor laws that come into play that can continue to increase wages that makes certain businesses not sustainable unless they replace people with technology. So um, I guess, yes, I think technology is going to continue to replace people's jobs. Um, however, I don't think that technology can you know, ever fully replace people. And just like that, the AI heard us and made us remember that people are the most important commodity. So we still got a few more years, people. So just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, Carolyn, this is a really a staple and I'm really excited to hear the, kind of this more of a closing out question, but it's kind of looking back at your life and where you've come from back to that girl, even before you got into career builder. If you could go back in time and talk to, you know, who you were back then, maybe at 21, 22, and you could have say, said something to yourself, maybe one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, uh, money, heartache, headache, and just a bunch of bruises and maybe a few tattoos. And it can't be that I wouldn't have said anything because it's made me who I am today, though it's a fantastic answer. What are some of those things that you would have said to yourself? You know, it's interesting because 
it's what I've been saying to my team throughout this coronavirus pandemic of any hardship that you're going through is temporary. And you know, you do learn from it, right? And so anytime I'm going through something really challenging or difficult, I try and think of, okay, this is obviously gonna be a learning experience for me. And I'm gonna come out the other side much stronger uh, than I did, than I was before. And my husband walking in the background there. <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I think that just, I think it's very easy to sometimes, especially in sales or running a company to think, oh, wow, this is really hard. And, you know, I, I think that most people in a lot of the things that they've anyway, they, they end up getting a lot out of, it's a lot, you learn a lot more from the hard times than you do from when things are really easy. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So basically you would just let yourself know that stay true, understand the plan, just keep pushing through. It'll all get better. We're, we're learning something, something along those lines. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Perseverance. I love that. And what about that person that's right on the cusp of jumping into that business? Like you, you're working at Career Builder and you made the decision mentally to go independent, to go off on your own and to, to step into the unknown, jump off the ledge per se, and, and really kind of, you know, see what happens. What would you say to that person that wants to do it they're just right on the edge of making the decision to give it a shot. Well, I think they should do it, right? And I, I think just make sure that they're in a position where they have the resources to make it happen. And there's never the right time, right? It, it, it never seems like the exact right time. And I think right now, a lot of people might be in a situation where they were laid off from a job or, um, you know, looking at the world around them thinking, you know, this is crazy. And so, yeah, if you're somebody listening to this, I would say, go for it. You have nothing to lose. You can always go back to that career that you had before you started your own thing. Or you could do like what you do, of having your own business and also working, you know, full-time in another company. And, and that's what I did at Career Builder. I, uh, you know, sorry guys, from 10 plus years ago, but I got all <laughs> in a row while I was still employed and you know definitely not necessarily during business hours but you know get everything lined up get yourself into a position where when you do take that leap and you leave that full-time paycheck uh, that you are able to hit the ground running I love that that's really great and I like that you mentioned the side hustle deal and that's the truth it's great to have passions and hobbies that drive you. And obviously, we'd all love to live in a perfect world where our nine to five fills every passion in our role. We meet our dream husband or wife sitting in the cubicle next to us. You know, we get the dog together. The dog's great. But the world doesn't happen like that. And people change as times change, which is why there's turnover, which is why your business exists. And you guys are doing such a great job. It's amazing how far you've come. And no, we talked afterwards. You have a big vision of where you guys want to take bets. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, good luck at, at SafeGraph. I know you're going to crush it over there. <laughs> so how, if you will want to learn more about you, how can people follow you? How can people see the journey of bets? Oh, how do they follow? Well, um, on LinkedIn, uh, you just re request me. I will accept. I am 
we accept people that reach out. And uh, yeah, I'm betsrecruiting.com. I'm most active on LinkedIn in terms of social media stuff. So that's a great place to check out what what we're up to. And you can follow Bet Recruiting too. They have a lot of, they, we have a lot of interesting stuff that we're putting out there about um, all different kinds of stuff in the business world. Your connection, like the amount of number of connections you have LinkedIn must just be vast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think yes. I'm old and I've been in recruiting for a long time, so I've built up quite the network. So, uh, well, anyway, well, thank you for having me. This was super fun. I know you're so busy. I appreciate you and looking forward to following the journey. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.